You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival podcast. I am Matt Baker. I perform a comedy and stunt show. And I'm Louie Fox. I do uh, magic tricks, comedy, and hand shadow puppets. <laughs> and we both have performed at the Moisture Festival for a number of years. So welcome to the podcast where we give you a peek behind the curtains of the performers and the people that make the Moisture Festival happen. You get a little, little bit of a look at their journey to getting on stage and a little bit about what they do in their time off stage. So welcome and be sure to check out all the episodes of the Moisture Festival podcast because there's a lot. There is a lot. And if you aren't familiar with the Moisture Festival, it's a four-week festival celebrating variety arts. So that's hula hoopers, magicians, people who bounce on their hands, acrobats, pretty much anything you can think of. It is the largest festival of its kind in the entire world, folks. In the entire world, it's the largest festival, and it features some of the best entertainers and comedians working today. The festival happens in the months of March and April, and not only do they have world-class variety acts, but they have a burlesque venue that runs for one week only, and get your tickets for that early because that always sells out actually 95 percent we've crunched the data louis yes. 95 percent of the shows sell out so if you're listening to this in the months of march and april be sure to go to moisturefestival.org and get your tickets today yes especially if your bucket list item is to see the opening show get them now absolutely on this episode, we are triangulating locations via Zoom and welcome in Michael Troutman, the fantastic physical comedian and clown. Yeah, we talk about learning how to be a clown and how to not be a lawyer. We learn about the <laughs> long-term dangers of your body when you balance a kid on your face. And we also learn about how he comes up with his material. It's real great insight into the creative process of developing a show, writing a one-person show, and how to market it, and if it is marketable. So a uh, really great conversation with Michael Troutman. Let's get to it! Yeah! Today's guest on the Moisture Festival podcast is a clown, a director, writer, teacher, and world-renowned funny person. They have appeared all over the globe, including the Kim Tom Clown Festival, the Prague Mime Festival, and Just for Laughs. They were a featured clown in the Big Apple Circus show, Oops! We welcome Michael Troutman. Woo! Festival favorite, too, right? Uh, oh, really? Uh, you know, I did. I finally got the poster. I got posterized. Uh, oh, nice. A few years back. Yeah. Now... The, your image is used all i think a, few, a lot on all the moisture festival really? ads oh, yeah great you, you go it goes godfrey daniels you and then an aerialist <laughs> oh, or yeah or alex and they use alex quite a bit yeah but i think that's that's uh, you know that's you don't get paid a lot so oh, you know, no, hey. it, it, it's funny i always i see the ads and the and the emails and i go well they never use my picture <laughs> i feel like i've seen you on a bus before yeah Ooh. 
Yeah, that was a long time ago. So real quick, how do you describe what you do? Well, it depends on who I'm talking to. Okay. Um, uh, if if somebody asks me and I'm I'm feeling generous, I say I'm a clown. Um, and if it's you know if it's uh, somebody outside of the industry, I already, I know that if I say that their image is Ronald McDonald or uh, you know the makeup and wig and costume uh, uh, people in the industry, I can say I'm a clown and they might not necessarily think that. Um, I'm a clown, mime, magician, juggler, storyteller, actor, writer, director. Uh, and, you know, I, I've been doing this since 1977, 76, when I started training and performing since 77. So, and so I, I went through all of the phases. Uh, when I started, I was a mime. I did the white face, illusionary work. Uh, Marcel Marceau was, uh, uh, you know, at the peak of his popularity and touring every year in the U.S. Uh, Shields and Yarnell had their television show uh, uh, the summer I started. And uh, so mine was popular. So after uh, yeah. how did you get into it? Um, I went to college. I was going to be a lawyer. I studied political science and business. And uh, three and a half years into my college education, I was a a wreck, uh, because I wasn't a really very good student. Um, uh, uh, and, uh, and so I was unhappy. I, I didn't graduate. I kicked around for a while. While I was in college, I had, uh, it was a small college. We had four fraternities and four sororities. And every year there'd be a fundraiser for the yearbook. And uh, so you team up and do a musical comedy sketch a uh, 20-minute thing with, and it was a chance to get to work with the sororities and hang out with the girls. <laughs> uh, my senior year, I auditioned for the lead and didn't get it, but they made me the sidekick, um, and I didn't have any lines, and so I stuffed pillows in a in my costume, and, and uh, I mugged and fell down and kind of stole the show, um, and uh, uh, a friend of mine saw it and said, oh, you, you need to go study mine. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I barely knew what it was. Mm. And, uh, uh, but I didn't have any goal or anything. I was trying to figure out what to do now that I didn't want to be a college or uh, type, uh, uh, or I didn't feel I, I could really, you know, I couldn't do it. Uh, it was, it was uh, hard for many reasons. Um, uh, and I found a mime class and I went and I took that class and it was just from there on, that was, I was like, oh, okay. That was and it. within a year, I saw Dimitri do his solo show. He was touring in the U.S. So it would have been 77. I saw him uh, do a solo show out in, at the University of Kansas. Dimitri? And I went, Dimitri, he was a Swiss clown. Okay. Uh, he started Circus Kenny. His daughter still runs it. Um, uh, he was a pretty well-known solo clown theater clown. Um, uh, especially in Europe, uh, he toured the U.S. a fair amount. Um, but I saw him, and within a year, I'd seen Bob Berkey, who was another uh, clown uh, performer, and and uh, uh, a couple of West Coast guys. Um, uh, and I said, "Oh, I can not just be a mime; I can be a clown." And uh, 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 so 
you know, I started out doing birthday parties. Uh, my first teacher started a mime company in Kansas City. It was called Mime Walk, uh, like Jabberwock. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kansas City, had a, you know, we started street performing there, which was against the law, but we got the, the Merchants Association to let us do it. And, and so I started out doing birthday parties and street performing and shopping malls and discos and um we did a lot of disco mime. <laughs> what disco mime? The disco mime. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. I had a I had a, a month long gig. I did it a couple of times uh, down in Miami in Coconut Grove uh, at the Hotel Mutiny, uh, and it was sort of like disco mime. You know, you do walkabout mime in the in the uh, club and, and uh, open the dance floor and. Uh, uh, it was it was the sort of Cuban cocaine connection place. You know, <laughs> cocaine uh, mime. It was well. It was yeah. The the seventies and uh, how do we um, launder this cocaine money? Hire a mime. Is that is that white face or is that just cocaine? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I was still just a performer. I couldn't really afford that stuff. <laughs> but you know they liked it. They laughed at me a lot. <laughs> Great good audience. Now what? How did that conversation go with your folks from saying you're going to school to be a lawyer to I'm now going to be a mime, uh, a it, disco mime? Yeah, well, I left out a lot of the, the gory details. Okay. They, they, were, they were pretty confused, um, uh, uh, but my parents were always uh, loving and, and generous mm. and supportive um, and you know, that first couple of years when I needed a hundred bucks, they'd send me a hundred bucks. Mm. And, uh, and then the seventies that went pretty far. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, and then they, they got on board. They would travel to see me do shows. Uh, uh, when I was in big apple, they, they came to three, four different places on that. Oh, that wow. Nice. The, That's great. US, uh, to see me and, uh, uh they were very proud. And, were they uh, ever like, it's never too late to practice law? No, uh, <laughs> they, 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 were, they were just encouraging. I, you know, I think it was they were sort of stunned with the idea that I would be doing any kind of performing or that I would uh, be, you know, a movement person. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as, as a kid, did you do any performing or? No. Well, other than, you know, Joseph in the uh, uh, Christmas uh creche at the at church um, yeah you know and i was pretty dis- dis- disappointed with that role because i had in my mind joseph with the colorful coat ah. as opposed to joseph with the donkey <laughs> 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 but no uh i sang in the men i was real active in my in my church growing up uh and i sang in the men's quartet but was not a performer and then had no clue that performing was a path yeah, uh, uh, and, and until I left college and started doing mime, uh, it was that was all completely new to me. So yeah, do you do any singing in your show now? No, I don't do it in my show. I was in uh, uh, I was in a musical a few years back. Worked on uh, uh, bringing this musical, Busker Alley, um, uh, which was written by the Sherman brothers. Um, uh, the Sherman brothers wrote uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Mary Poppins, oh. Jungle Book, uh, all those Disney movies. Yeah. Uh, those musical, uh, uh, Disney musical movies. And 
um, they wrote this uh, musical, uh, Busker Alley, and it was uh, sort of a, a My Fair Lady story. There was older Busker who takes in a young uh, waif, a street urchin, and he cleans her up and uh, like Pygmalion or My Fair Lady, uh, you know, cleans her up and teaches her to perform. And of course, she's beautiful and got a fantastic voice and goes on to become a famous uh, star and the busk older busker, you know, they sort of fall in love, but he's real old and she's real young. And uh, uh, so I did that. And I, I, I was a, a street performer, one of the, one of the gang, I, Tony Walton, who directed oops, the big apple circus mm-hmm. show. Uh, Tony's a big Broadway guy. He, he designed tons of sets and costumes for many Broadway and film and he had he had the Oscar and all kind of and he, he was well known. He was directing Busker and he had uh, directed the Big Apple show. And so he brought me in because he wanted somebody who was a real Busker. Mm. Um, and I've worked on the street my whole life off and on. Um, uh, and so uh, I was happy to do that. And I brought Diane Wozniak in on it because uh, he needed another Busker. And he, uh, you know, she's very musical. And uh, on top of it, she had a dog that had a play, uh, could have a role in the, in the show. <laughs> so, so I sang in that, uh, but uh, I don't sing in my show. Um, uh, it's, 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 I'm not that good of a singer. I sort of, I'm a passable bass uh, support, but that's about it. Now, when you do your show, is it 100% silent or do you speak or... Because I know you have a musical show too, right? No, I uh, no, I don't have a musical show. I have uh, uh, I used to have a sound effects show. That gotcha. I for schools, um, uh, uh, I've talked in, in off and on and gone from the whole range from silent to uh, monologue, uh, and I've written stories uh, uh, and monologues that are serious theater. Mm. Um, uh, I make my living off of the ping pong trick and yeah, and, the uh, ping. Uh, wait, hold on. The ping, ping pong, king pong. Ping, yeah. Well, uh, there's. I will get to this the story. Okay. You know, what has the pandemic done for you lately? <laughs> well, <laughs> right, the ping pong thing. That was the first time I think Matt had worked with you, and at the Moisture Festival. So Matt texted me because I was working the next night, and Matt wasn't. And he goes, you got to check out Troutman with his ping pong thing. Was that the uh, spitting it? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I started, I've been doing the magic act with the regurgitating. Yeah, I saw that one. Through, uh, uh, since it was like the you were sharpshooting or something. Yeah, the sharpshooting, the, the target spitting act. Um, uh, I wrote that. Uh, I started working on it, I think, in about 2014. Uh, because I had gotten old enough that I couldn't do a lot of the stuff I used to do. Mm. And, um, uh, I couldn't fall the, the way I did. Um, I used to do the trick with the kid. I balanced the kid in the chair. Yeah. And that was the poster. Yeah, that was on uh, the bus, I'm pretty sure. Right. Uh, and and I had to quit. Uh, uh, you know, I was just too hard on the body. Yeah. So I wrote a whole new show uh, uh, that was all based in ping pong tricks of various kinds, <laughs> uh, uh, which included the William Tell bit where I'd get an audience member up and spit ping pong balls into their head. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, when the pandemic hit, 
I realized within a week that I could never do that show again. Uh, oh yeah, right. There's no way I because I would you know they'd go everywhere. They'd be all over the theater. <laughs> the eyeball in their mouth. It would be picking them up and taking them, and yeah, you know, I'd spit them out in the audience. If yeah, I for a laugh. And I realized that's that's over. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> You just can't, nobody's going to let me come and do that or, or want to you know, pay me to do it. And so uh, I spent the first year of the pandemic trying to write another new show, which I hadn't planned on. Um, uh, and then I had a, 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 a some arthritis and I've just actually, I'm three weeks out from a uh, total hip replacement. Oh man. Yeah. So uh, I'm still in recovery mode. Uh, uh, but well, that- that makes me think of a question that I wrote down, which is, uh, you know, you have a lot of different solo shows that you've written, you know, Dark Clown, A Trouble Clown for Trouble Times. What is sort of the deciding factor that makes you want to write a solo show? Is it just you have a bunch of pent up ideas or what? Like, what is the genesis when you're like, I need to come up with some new material? Is it just out of, uh, you um, know, it comes out of, well, it comes out of my interest in politics. Um, uh, uh, I was serious on that career path. I, I, when I was in high school, I worked at the State Bar Association, um, you know, and hung around with the lawyers. And, and uh, 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 so I've always had a deep interest in, in the 60s. You know, I was a teenager in the 60s and 70s, and, and uh, it was a pretty politically turbulent time. And, and so um uh, part of my lawyer thing was that i realized that i would not actually change the world it would be me that would change to become a lawyer uh, uh, and when i became a performer i said this is you know completely off the path um uh, and, and but it, i also believed that you could do that you could choose mid-70s everybody was choosing an alternate lifestyle and mm and living on a commune and, uh, uh, you know, trying to be peaceful, playing new games. And uh, uh, so I I stepped off of the recognizable path and into this one. Um, I started out, I was doing other, you know, other people's material for years, uh, the way we do. You know, you, you see uh, the mime of the wall and you, so you learn mm. to do the mime of the wall and you write a routine and it's just like all the other mime of uh, the wall acts. Eventually, I started creating my own material. Uh, some of it comes from just an idea. Uh, the may, may, the complete shows like uh, The Stooge uh, uh, or uh, the, the Dark Clown, um, uh, Politiclown um, mm. uh, are, are all uh, idea-based. Uh, I, tr- I try and find a subject that I want to address and, and get in the studio and see where it goes. In fact, uh, King Pong came from uh, the uh, uh, school shooting in Connecticut. Um, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got the um, assist from. Uh, <laughs> I had an assist from the kitchen. Um, Your publicist. <laughs> my wife. She's not my publicist. She's my graphic designer, though. Really good. And, and she was my director for years and years. Um, uh, but uh, Sandy Hook, I was. I said, okay, I, I want to make a piece uh, uh, that's 
deals with this gun issue that we have. Um, and, and so that was really just, that's the base idea. And I went into the studio, I was trying to create this new show that I could physically do and do for years and years. Um, and what came out of it was this character, this, this cowboy target spitter. Um, uh, and so it, I mean, it's a long way from, from mass shootings to this character, but it, you know, it's an American icon, this, this cowboy, uh, and, you know, he's spitting and he's shooting, yeah. which are, you know, all of these things are, are that genre you know, in that neighborhood. And, and so I just sort of, in my writing, I, I try to give myself some impulse and then not have any filters for a long time mm. uh, to, in order to come up with for me to come up with a huge vocabulary that then I can then pare down into a story. Yeah. So, so you have the idea for spitting ping pong balls. So you go in the studio and you just go, what can I do? Or do you kind of write out ideas and then try them? Um, uh, when I went in the studio, I've been doing the magic act for years already. Uh, uh, that one trick, that six minutes is really defined in my career. It got me all over the world uh, because that's what you know ease packs small plays big the 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 one the ping pong ball that moves across the hands yeah that, that one yeah. and then they keep coming out of my yeah, mouth yeah. And, hat. Yeah. Um, uh, and so i i had that and and i got in the studio i wanted to get in the studio and i was just playing really and uh i was trying to do a trick where i said i took uh uh, four pieces of marble. It was a marble tile. And I leaned them up against some chairs. And I was trying to uh, line them up so I could spit the ping pong ball and hit one. And it would hit all four. So it'd go bing, 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 and then back into my mouth. And I worked for, I don't know, a week on, <laughs> you know, that is, I, it's, I, it, it was really hard because, yeah. you know, just the tiniest movement in the, yeah. in, the in the plate or in, in the, in the tile and the ping pong ball goes shooting out the window. And, uh, uh, and I got, so I could do it though. I could, I could hit the four. I was used a, a, after the fourth one, I was using a, a little frying pan. So that I spit and, and go bing, 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 and back in my mouth, and I and do it. Uh, and so I'm working on that. It was like, oh, you know, how can I, you know, take the time to set up these meticulously lined up uh, marbles and do this stupid trick and make it work as an act? And what I realized was that I was able to hit the spot on a really consistent basis because that's what it took. I had just a little dot from a, a, a magic marker and I'm trying to hit that dot and I got so I could hit it really consistently. And when I gave up the idea of having to catch the ball back in my mouth, this target shooter was born because it's like, Oh, I can hit that thing. Oh, I yeah. can hit that thing. And so then he's a cowboy and he's just shooting and, and, it, and it's like, you know, a quick draw act. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that, it's like, you know, it's this long path from there and sometimes it doesn't become a statement, mm. uh, uh, but sometimes it does, uh, at the very least, this still gives me an opportunity to talk about that issue. Yeah. So what, what I like too, is that, um, especially when creating something, it's like the end is generally never like the exact thing that you set out in your mind, you know? Right. 
but you have to do it to get to that point. Okay, so you, I wanted to ask you about what what is Benny Reel's New England New Vaudeville show? What is that? Because like it sounded like that was something that you made appearances on when you sort of right. moved up to the Northeast, or right. So I uh, I moved around. I was starting in Kansas City with the Mime Company. I moved to Boston so that I'd be closer to New England so that I could come up to Maine and train with Tony Montanaro. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Tony Montanaro uh, had a a celebration mime school up in South Paris, Maine. Um, And Tony trained, uh, I first came to him through Leland Faulkner, uh, who you guys might know. Leland's been out to Moisture Festival, Hand Shadows and uh, 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 Magic and, and Storytelling. Um, uh, and Leland was part of that company in Kansas city, long story long. I ended, I, I ended up up in South Paris working with Tony, uh, uh, which really gave a boost to, to my career. Benny had worked with Tony and had, uh, was part of celebration ensemble, which was a group of mime performers, um, uh, there at, at, at South, South Paris. And then Benny, uh, and his wife started their own, show which at first was the buckfield leather and lather variety show um and he had like one of those uh pop-up uh, uh wagons uh, although it was the old style it was all canvas and mm. and they drove around and popped up this the pop-up oh interesting then he, then he started the new england new vaudeville show which then became uh, he also it was doing the new england new vaudeville review and uh, uh so I worked with Benny and he, Benny, because of working with Tony and being located here in Maine and, and right a few miles from Celebration Barn, had a constant supply of, of acts and talent coming in. And a lot of people either grew up in Maine and learned uh, or they came from away and stayed like myself. Um, uh, and so Benny it, had this uh, vaudeville show uh, Garbo worked with him all the time. Randy Judkins, uh, uh, he had a tap dancing couple, Jones and Boyce, um, uh, and Rob Salafia, just and everybody in in the in the East uh, essentially. And when he would do a, a a vaudeville festival, he'd bring in people from farther away. Uh, uh, it was where I first worked with Air Jazz. Um, uh, they came out to uh, to. Maine to do the festival um, and so it was fabulous because it and it was also at a time when the the arts had funding and so Benny got this show which would often be a big show it, it'd have uh, a, a two or three piece band uh, playing live all the time and it was very much you know the same as Moisture Festival and all these acts and everybody coming out and killing it for six minutes and uh, uh, and Benny hosted and uh, uh, so it was a, a true variety show. <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was a great, great experience to be part of. And we get to play huge venues because it, it, which he could afford to have, you know, in, in the big shows, he'd have a dozen acts. Um, uh, and it, they were just killer shows. Uh, 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 and, and there, you know, we built an audience when that funding went away with, as the arts funding was, uh, uh you know, attacked and trimmed and cut. Um, eventually, they the the those rosters with the funding to help support uh, support the touring uh, shows 
you know went way down um and, they, and that show went away uh, mm. which was you know things that they go and they end yeah uh, yeah but it was it was a great great fun thing to be part of uh, that sort of show um uh, and uh, you know and yeah, it, it just like the moisture festival. You know, you get to hang out with your friends who, your best friends, you, you only see once a year. Yeah, because they live across the continent. And, yeah. yeah. Now, would you attribute um, sort of Tony and Avner as the reason why there is such like a large clown or variety art scene in the Northeast? Um, uh, Tony, really. Um, uh, I mean, Avner moved up here and way after the fact. That, oh, okay. Uh, um uh, it, it, no tony being based there training people like i said who grew up uh, michael cooper who's a mask guy and lives out in nowhere maine uh, uh and then became a worldwide performer bob berkey uh, uh who's who toured for years and worked off broadway and, and fred garbo and him and uh, Leland Faulkner and Michael Menez and it, just this whole long list of, of uh, clowns and mimes. Randy Judkins uh, uh, came and trained with Tony and then either stayed or they were from here. And, and so that's, that spread. And then with Benny touring the show, uh, uh, primarily in New England, uh, uh, but, you know, Maine and Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, it, it was uh, uh, made this hotbed of, of riot arts. On top of that, Boston was arguably the number one spot, or if not in the top three in the world for uh, busking. Yeah. Um, uh, and so when I was when I'm in mid 80s, uh, was living in Somerville and uh, early mid 80s uh, and working on the street at Faneuil Hall. And it was it was like, you know, finding money on the street. <laughs> Uh, and I was, you know, I was there, and, and Waldo and Woodhead were uh, started up and and got going, and and uh, 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 you know, people came through from all over. I was where I first met uh, 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 Butterfly. Uh, uh, it was on the street in Boston, and uh, you know, it was a, you know San Francisco, Boston, and uh, London were the three. Mm -hmm pitches to go and work so uh so there was just a huge pool in in new england because of all of that that's amazing okay so i'm gonna back up a little bit you mentioned you went and trained with benny what does training look like um tony uh when he was teaching workshops he, at celebration barn it's, it was an old horse barn he, he turned it into studios and theater um uh, you would go and there were dormitories and usually when i first went he had, uh, before that, he'd done up six up to nine month long workshops where wow. you'd go and you'd live there for oh, wow. six months and five days a week, uh, all day working with Tony. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, he, the, it was hard, but it was, it, you know, some brilliant, brilliant stuff. Then he cut back on the length. Uh, when I started with him in 83, um, uh, I uh, I did the five-week workshop, and then I went back and did a three-week. I went and did a five-week workshop, and Tony said at the end of it, he says, oh, you got to come back. I've got another one starting next week. And I said, Tony, I, 
I got to go work. I don't have any money. I, not, <laughs> I don't care. You don't have to help me. It's pay not me. done. He, he said, yeah, yeah you got to come back and work some more. And, and I went back and did three more weeks. And then I went back and did five more weeks that first summer. Wow. Um, and then I went back over the years. Every couple of years, I would go back and, and do a, a, a workshop, uh, you know, several weeks. And, and it meant it was basically a studio where you're there with a bunch of other performers of all kinds and uh writing and creating and learning and and training and are you writing for each other's show like is it a collaborative like we're all going to work on michael's bit we're all going to work on vanessa's bit one of the things that tony taught was how to create uh, uh people would come in of, of all kinds jugglers magicians clowns mimes didn't matter storytellers singers uh musicians uh, uh whatever your skill was, Tony could work with it on you. And, and he had a process for how we, how you create and write material. And part of that is using collaborators. Um, mm. You may be a big group of collaborators. It may be small. One of the training exercises that we, that he taught and that I teach and use when I'm, when I'm teaching, he called rounds. Uh, uh, so it, it, and a round, you would uh, say, we've got a group of people, you us three. We can do it with three people uh, and we pick up a pencil. Okay. Idris is going to take a pencil and I want you to show me uh, something, an idea with the pencil. Okay. Don't tell me anything. Just show me uh, an idea with the pencil. And so we, you know, three, we'd go around, we, we could knock out 10 or 15 minutes of things, mm. you know, different things. And as soon as you run through the, the ones, you know, then you start coming up with ones that you don't know. And then you come up with something new and then somebody sees it and says, Oh, if you could do this, that, you know, you take my thought and you take it and mm. you go like this and go, Oh, that's even better. And that builds a, a vocabulary. I've got all these tricks. I've got a hundred tricks. I'm sitting here writing down and, and, uh, 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 you know, and using my group of people or my director and my designers, uh, you know, whoever I'm working with could maybe it's in the workshops. It was always be, you know, however many 15 or 20 people that were there taking a workshop. And, you know, you could get up and say, okay, we're gonna do rounds on this idea, uh, uh, going out, coming in a door. Mm -hmm. uh, and wow, man, how, how fast do you think you can rack up? Oh yeah. He is with improvisers. I mean, and it was all improvisational. Yeah. Exercises, but, you know, and so here's a list of a hundred uh, things to do with a pencil and it's like, well, okay, now how, what can I tell a story? Here's, I can take this and this and this and this, and I've got a story with a pencil. Ah. Uh, uh, and so then I'm editing. I, don't, I can't do a hundred uh, things. It's yeah. Not, I, my audience would die. Uh, <laughs> sort of. uh, like, oh, no, an no, hour, no. the pencil, sh the pencil <laughs> show. Yeah. Sponsored <laughs> by Dixon. No, and, and I did do the ping pong show. <laughs> Imagine how many more ping pong ball ideas I've had. And oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please tell me that you got like sponsored by some sort of ping pong company. I tried. Or I tried. You know what I did? I did a gig uh, just before the pan year before the pandemic. I went out to Las Vegas and uh, performed in the opening event for the uh, uh, World Table Tennis. Oh, that's cool! Uh, champion senior senior level World Table Tennis tournament. 
Uh, and so I got to do ping pong ball tricks for the <laughs> ping pong players, which was which was great. And, and I thought, well, it'd be great because I'll find a sponsor here. So, you know, somebody they would want find, no, they they said they have all the, everybody who does product or services. The industry already has it, it's like a, a, the NASCAR. You know, all the all the players oh, yeah. have jackets with all these patches and stuff on <laughs> so they're like yeah. we'll pay you money to not use our ping pong balls in your show <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> that's off-label use we can't yes. <laughs> so now that you, i mean you're you're a performer you're a director and teacher is there one that you find more fulfilling or is it sort of having all of them together is the well, for for the majority of my life, the performance was really what what mm-hmm. floated my boat, and you know, doing those full length clown theater shows. But those were never marketable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I could do them for fringe festivals. I could self produce. I was never making much money because it was yeah. one man show, um, uh, and a pretty esoteric kind of thing. And and uh, you really got to step in it to it, it come out looking good yeah um, uh, and i enjoyed doing them i loved doing that material and i would have in addition another reason for doing those big shows like that is that i would have small pieces come yeah. out that then would become uh, uh usable entertainment you um, can move to another yes yeah, so, uh, for example in the dark clown which was a show i was uh, uh in lived in brooklyn new york for nine years and uh, I did an artist in residency for Mabu Minds, which was a downtown performance art uh, group. Um, uh, and uh, I spent a year doing this, this residency working on The Dark Clown, which was a pretty dark clown thing. I, uh, one of the acts that came out of that, um, I had a, a, took a sword and uh, uh, I struggled with the balloon, did the mime stuff, put the balloon in the hat i had a top hat put the balloon in the sword popped the the balloon so i put the hat on my head and i chubbed the sword through my head while i'm doing this i'm reciting my uh artistic statement for the national endowment <laughs> just because that's what it felt like uh, <laughs> to describe yourself to the, as an, a clown describing yourself as an artist to the national endowment so they just <laughs> yeah that was a good and so but I wasn't going to do that monologue in, in an entertainment setting for the fair, yeah. but I'm certainly going to shove my sword through my head for the fair <laughs> because that's a, a piece that uh, uh, then works. So. Yeah. Now, what is um, a, another show that you sort of you do? And I think you do this at corporations and at school is the body talk right. workshop. Is that so is that sort of like um being able to communicate with just body language exactly um uh it's it, um i feel like that's the one thing i'm really educated about i having trained with tony over the for decades and i spent a year at, at lecox doing the the first year um uh, and i know body language body uh, uh, communication physical communication and uh, uh, and it's something that's uh, universal, uh, universally uh, useful. Yeah, uh, you, you know, you you it is it is a universal language. Uh, uh, you, the reason that we're all able to go into other countries is because we're mimes. Uh, we can mm-hmm. go there and not have 
much of the language at all and still communicate and, and get around. Um, and having work that was not dependent upon uh, uh, you know, uh, language uh, really made it that much more possible for me to yeah. work in China or wherever. Uh, so, um, so I do this uh, body talk uh, uh, when I do It's my school assembly program. Uh, and then I build a workshop about it. Um, uh, and it's based on the Dell's art system, um, uh, which was a, a out of the 1800s, uh, uh, the Dell's art system of expression was cr created, uh, and it was the acting method. But before method acting, this was, uh, you know, it was all that big gesture, uh, you know, uh -huh. that sort of thing. And he codified uh, a gestural language. And Lecoq was based on it. Tony was based on it. Marceau was based on it. Decrue was based on it. Uh, it's all this idea that um, uh, you have an intellectual part of the body so that you show your intellect with uh, if you lead with the head uh, or uh, you push the head back and and make it move last and it's slow uh, uh, so your intellect is centered here your emotions are in the chest the physical is in the pelvis um, and he divides the body up into these things and it's pretty easily understood by everybody because we already know these things we just never think about them mm. but my goal in in doing that uh lecture or, or show is to get you to realize that that you already understand this stuff yeah you just don't think about it you don't think about how if i touch something if i touch it with my fingers it's different than if i touch it with the palm of the hand or the back of the hand there's an curiosity here an intellectual touch there's a, a physical touch here with it there's there's an emotional touch mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, uh, and we just don't think we use it all the time we just don't think about it do kids do kids use body language more or are they more in tune with using body language they it yes yeah they, they do use it and they do understand it um, uh, I can uh, I can do a whole workshop with kids, just having them do movement based on a word. Mm. Uh, uh, so you know, walk angry, pencil. <laughs> walk walk, like well, pencil. it's like you know, a real general, but walk angry, uh, yeah, yeah, walk yeah, happy, gotcha. yeah, uh, yeah. walk excited. Um, you know, and, and yeah. they know how to do that. Um, uh, it's a, it's not as intellectually driven as it is just viscerally with like yeah how you did the intellectual gesture with just the fingertip too like you were just talking about yeah that's it oh oh <laughs> yeah there's a lot of physical motions uh, that are gonna... <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i'm just curious because you know i would think that because kids don't have like a fully developed vocabulary that they might ha rely on uh, body language more and not even recognize that they are using body language. Right. Yes, they do. And, and, and they don't recognize a lot of that. Um, uh, it, part of my goal in that workshop and more so with kids than, than adults is to teach you how to increase your movement vocabulary. Mm. Um, every gesture says something, uh, whether it's, you know, it's just an eyebrow or, or a smile or, or the head, everything says something. As an actor, if you're on stage for an hour, you might talk for 
15 or 20 minutes, but your body is communicating for that entire hour. Yeah. Um, and the actors that we don't like are the ones who don't pay attention to that. You know, they they finish they finish their monologue and then they slump away, uh -huh. uh, and and they tell us a different story. Um, uh, so, it, it, in in teaching this workshop, I can show you ways to discover vocabulary that you don't use yet for just for your second float in your chair. Um, you know, it's like people go, what? Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I've never moved like this before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and so you, if I can open up a pathway for, for you to have a bigger movement vocabulary, all of a sudden you're going to have a bigger vocabulary to perform with. And so yeah, I mean, Louie and I run into this problem a lot because we are completely verbal. Uh -huh. And so it, the, just the idea of doing a body language, like even if you were like, do a five minute set of no speaking, I'd be like, I I, I don't know. How, uh, and, what would that look? Yeah, another big piece of that whole body language and especially in performance is, is character. Um, mm. uh, the way I shape my body will build a character. And so if I'm going to um, uh, Pantaloni, who is the, the uh, Commedia dell'arte character is greedy. So his, his head's pushed forward mm. at this point, he knows he's grasping, he's greedy, you know, greed is a, an intellectual idea. And so he's grasping, he's, and, and he's reaching. And so if I move my head here and my hands here, and I say, okay, that's the rule, I gotta always keep this, this kind of here. All of a sudden I've got a character. Yeah, uh, no, because, as opposed to if I put the head here and put the hands here and move, you know, okay, here's my vocabulary for this character. Mm -hmm. And I keep, and I, I can build that based on the shape of the body, I can build a whole new vocabulary that says this character. Ah. Uh, how, do I, how does this guy stand up? How does he right. sit down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does he make a cup of coffee? Um, it's different from this guy. But that and that's just changing. You know, my voice changes. Yeah. I move like this, and I concave. The voice changes when I go here. Uh, the shape of the body uh, informs uh, a lot of uh, of what's going on. It, and this is at the heart of Lecoq's teaching. Uh, uh, Lecoq, I, I I felt was the the reverse of method acting method acting is from the inside out you you go into your personal history and think of a tragic thing mm. that will make you cry Lecoq was the opposite he would shape the body and have you feel that until you discovered the emotion that went with it yeah uh, uh, so you went from the outside in need to ask you about how you got involved with the moisture festival oh yeah <laughs> I uh, the reason I, we're I, doing this. I I email I emailed and begged and begged and begged. Uh, oh, I doubt that. Um, it, Avner, after Avner uh, was up here, and I think we both moved up here close to the same time in the in mid nineties. Um, uh, and Avner started doing um, uh, a festival based on the Moisture Festival. He was already doing the Moisture Festival, I think, and he started uh, Fizz Gig. Uh, uh, here, um, and uh, uh, and I performed it, it the first time, and and uh, and it was very much based on the same same model that the Moisture Festival, uh, and uh, and I had heard of Moisture Festival, but you know, from Avner and from then other people I ran into, 
Um, uh, I just had never really worked very much on the West Coast. Um, uh, and so um, Tim, I actually had met back in the 70s. Um, uh, and geez, it would have been like 77, uh, a couple of, of us from our mime company in Kansas City went up to Minneapolis for a fairs uh, uh, convention, um, trade show. And uh, the Karamasovs had a house in Minneapolis then, and uh, uh, Offner was uh, living there, and, and, uh, um, and I had met Offner earlier uh, up in Milwaukee at the Mime Festival in 78. Um, and uh, so I met Tim then, which, you know, 20, 25, 30 years later, when I, <laughs> I only knew that because I, I, I was impressed with the fact that it was the Karamazov. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, and, and so I, I reached out, I, you know, I saw, checked it out and, and, and it sounded like a really good fun festival. And, uh, I had a lot of friends who were already working and, and coming out and doing it. And so, um, I, I wrote him. And I think it took me two or three years at least before they they worked me in. Uh, in fact, what, I think uh, I, I didn't start doing it until uh, one year Tim came up to Edmonton to the uh, Street Performers Festival, which I've worked, I think, eight or nine times over the years. Uh, and he saw me there. And uh, I think that was what... Uh, got me my foot in the door you got the blessing he was yeah. like you were great the you godfather you're like i've been applying <laughs> yeah you, you should apply this <laughs> how come i'm curious about the um the was it fizz gig is that what you said it's called yeah. fizz gig whatever what, how what manifested from that where or what um, happened it went to on it? For, it went on for a number of years and and grew and was was pretty popular and successful um it, it didn't draw the people who were from away didn't draw the way they needed to. And, mm. and, uh, uh, and so you know, I, I could get an audience because I've been here for years. Uh, um, and so, an, you know, a show with me and Randy Judkins would do real well. But, um, uh, you know, somebody from from away would come in and, and they were great people, but they just weren't known. And, and yeah, they had a harder time drawing. Uh, they did it. Uh, Avner ran it with this other guy, Mike uh, Levine here, um, uh, and uh, and it grew. And then uh, with Julie getting sick, um, uh, Avner had to really step away, mm. and, uh, uh, and then Mike couldn't really keep it going on his own. Gotcha. Uh, uh, and so it went. Uh, you know, they just sort of let it go. Um, How did the Gong Show go for you? Did you do the ping pong ball? Thing I there? did the I did the target spitting and I uh -huh. and I, uh, uh, I I've always I find television just uh, torturous. You know? uh, <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> and you know I, I'm a live variety guy. Yeah. And, and the two dimensional thing, I'm a movement guy, and, and so you know it's never been my friend. Uh, <laughs> I did it, uh, uh, and and it was it was as fun as it could be. Um, I I did the. Uh, uh, target act and i got um well arnett was on it and and so i got to spit a ping pong ball into it oh him, that's nice which, nice. Was, which was but he hated me and gave me a three 
Well, yeah, you spit a ping pong. I spit on him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, don't you know, COVID's just around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Ground zero, right there. I, I've been trying to figure out how to how to write the. Uh, uh, a uh, uh, monologue about uh, uh, being the the uh, uh, super spreader. Uh, <laughs> yeah, got the whole thing rolling. <laughs> or at least the government investigated you to see if you were, you know. Well, in the, see this. Yes, I here. Let me tell you about this. Uh, so, uh, with the King Pong show closeted, uh, and trying to write a new show, and in the, then getting through the pandemic. Um, I started working on a show uh, called Death of a Clown, um, yeah, which really was to, is to deal with how do you be funny in times like these? Um, uh, you know, how does death and sickness and destruction and, and the end of the world, you know, what's that do to a clown? Um, uh, and so I'm, and I started working on it and got a couple of grants, which allowed me to sort of get in the studio and work on it. Uh, and then my hip went bad and I mm. put it on hiatus. Uh, it's another one of those shows that I'll produce and never tour with because it's just, I don't have that skill, I guess. Um, uh, but with my body breaking down and with the stopping my career, I, because, you know, for two years, I've really hardly done any performing. Um, uh, uh, I've gotten off the road and realized that number one uh it's really hard to travel yeah. <laughs> you know lugging all your stuff yeah. You know, your yeah it's a pain eight bags of props and yeah. paying for everything and getting on, onto an i'm a big guy getting in an airplane and flying you know 13 hours i've done enough of that <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah. I, I could back off and and uh and just teach. Um, there was for a couple of years, a circus school here, um, uh, circus Maine, mm. uh, uh, some people who come out of, uh, ENC in Canada, uh, tried to start this professional training sc school. And I got hired to teach movement and mask, uh, which was great. And I was running their youth circus, uh, teaching and, and directing that. And then working with their professional students, that was fantastic. And then they went out of business. Mm. Um, uh, I started touring again. The pandemic came along. <laughs> so now I'm really focusing on just teaching. Yeah. Uh, um, I uh, uh, am uh, making a, a setup where I can work here and have people come uh, and professionals come in and work with them for a week or two at a time mm. to help write new material. Or, yeah clean up and work on old material um, what about virtually could you do stuff virtually uh directing? i can um i find it really hard but yes yeah. in terms of like you know to look at a piece and 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 work with you on like yeah sort of do that sort of virtual stuff um i have to redo all of my website and everything to yeah accommodate all of that well uh, yeah, that's I mean, really where my focus is going i'm doing after school program i, I love working with uh middle school teenage kids uh, uh, and they you know and what i have to teach it you know in, in terms of circus you know those kids are really dedicated they're you know yeah. kids who don't want to speak on stage they don't want to uh, be actors uh, they don't want to compete in competitive sports but they're they're athletes 
uh, they're right in my wheelhouse. Uh, that's awesome. So that's really where I'm, I'm focusing now is, is with teaching from kids and then on, on another track, adults and professionals. Well, I know uh, a lot of our listeners are are performers. So if you're thinking about needing some help on a routine or kick around some ideas, check out Michael Trauman. Uh, he offers virtual services. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so uh, they can, find, they can find you at michaeltroutman.com. That's T-R-A-U-T-M-A-N. Correct. Um, and I, I social sites too, YouTube. Yeah, I've got Instagram. a YouTube page. Um, yeah, there's a realtor that is uh, pretty high up there yeah, too, yeah. but yeah, it, you look very different. I like this. It, when I, when I started uh, my first part of my career and for probably the first 20 years, I went by Michael Lane Troutman, mm. my middle name. And, and I, it's, you know, and when I started, somebody said, well, you gotta have a stage name. And I said, well, I like my name. So I'll be Michael Lane Troutman. And so I was always, you know, Michael Lane Troutman, it rolls off the tongue nicely. It's, you know, it works. So I was Michael and, maybe 20 years ago, I decided to drop it and just be Michael Troutman. And so the joke was, well, I finally caught up with all those other Michael Lane Troutmans and killed them off. <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> There's only one now. <laughs> well, we want to thank you for your time. Uh, we really appreciate the, the conversation. Yeah. And uh, yeah, michaeltroutman.com. And uh, please check out videos of him. It's amazing stuff. And uh, be sure to look and come see him when he's at the moisture festival because yeah, we're going to come back. I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah. Every, yes. I would love to come back to the moisture festival. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're ever in a town where, where Michael's doing a workshop, I did a weekend workshop, I think as part of the moisture festival with you. And it was a ton of fun. That's awesome. Oh, good. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Michael. We really appreciate it. We want to thank you for listening to the Moisture Festival podcast. If you haven't bought tickets yet for the festival, you can do that at moisturefestival.org. You can also find out information about volunteering or supporting it financially as well. Just click on the contribute button. You can also find Moisture Festival. They are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you want to check out more details on any of those social network sites. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we do a podcast together that is completely different than this podcast and it is called the odd and off beat podcast and you can find that on any platform that you get your podcasts at if you would like to find out information on louis and i's shows you can do so by visiting louis site which is louis fox with two x's.com and Matt Baker's site comedy spelled the way you would expect it to be spelled yes and we want to thank all the volunteers, performers, sponsors, donors, board members, producers of the Moisture Festival for helping make this thing happen. Absolutely. A lot of moving parts, and they do a wonderful job at creating a very unique experience that you cannot get anywhere else. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.